think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, hello, everybody. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And tonight is our uh, Paul Rudd extravaganza episode, is what I'm sort of unofficially calling it. How's that grab you, Phil? That works for me. He's the little guy who made it big. <laughs> is that is that what we call him? The little guy that made it big? Is that was that how we describe Paul Rudd these days? Well, we can se segue into the fact that Ant-Man and the Wasp oh. Mania opens this weekend. I get it. If you're watching this live, so you know it's a little bit a little bit of movie magic, some weird chicory and things like that, which gets gotcha. us into the whole gist of it. I like yeah, it. It's a Paul Rudd extravaganza. Yeah. Well, we figured, like you said, you know, as we're recording this, it is the opening day of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, and we love Paul Rudd. So we thought we'd do a little Paul Rudd uh, centric episode because um, why not celebrate Paul Rudd? He's fantastic. Love him. Um, so um, so so Phil, tell people what that entails then. What are we going to be talking about in this episode? Yes, we're going to be going after the ending of the 1995 film Clueless, which stars Paul Rudd, where he looked totally different than he does today. Yep. Uh, and we will also be doing our top five uh, favorite or films or movie roles of Paul Rudd, which do not include the Ant-Man films. We're going to go with right. some of his other films because he has done quite a few, some serious, lots of them comedy uh, mm -hmm. and a few in between. Yep, yeah, yeah, non-Marvel Paul Rudd roles uh, or movies because otherwise I feel like you could just sort of stack the deck with, you know, the Ant-Man <laughs> movies and things like Captain America Civil War and stuff like that. So it's it's the top five non-Marvel Paul Rudd movies that we're going to be going into. So, um, yeah, so that should be that should be fun. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, let's see, Phil, should we start off with just a little bit of talk about Paul Rudd? We general? can do, yeah, we can do. But before that, we'll just say... Uh, just before we started recording, there was some camera problems, you know, technical difficulties. So just in case anything happens with the, the with one of us, just that's yeah. what's going on. But we it should if all it be will, working normally now. Here, here's what here's what we'll say. If one of us just disappears for a minute or two, it's probably because we've traveled to the quantum verse um, and <laughs> we're just briefly visiting, uh, you know, Ant Man and the Wasp down in the quantum mania world. Not not that they were having technical problems with our Wi Fi. That, that's that's makes more sense. That. Yeah, we can't uh, we can't go divulge much more. It's all right. Much right, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for that's a, a good disclaimer, Phil. So uh, let's 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 jam on Paul Rudd for a minute. What do you think? What what's your uh, take on Paul Rudd? You how, how would you qualify your your fan level? High, super high, medium, low? Where do he's, you he's someone I always enjoy watching. It's uh, I I know if he's going to be in something, he's going to be good. It's going to be worth a watch because the scenes he's in, he's he can always turn things around a bit. He can lift weak material and make it work. He's, uh, he's not, I mean, there's lots of different actors. He's not someone where I go, I'm going, oh, I wonder what film he's going to be in next. I don't go seeking out his work, but I know if, I, if I'm watching someone can ease in it or it, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty good. I always like seeing him as well when he's doing his uh, interviews. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I always some of my favorites are the when he was on Conan O'Brien, and every time he's going to show a clip from his latest film, it was always the same clip from Mac and Me, and he yeah. did that year after year after year. And Conan O'Brien would often fall for it again because Paul was such a good actor; he can be totally sincere and sell it and go, "No, at this time I'm not." Let's roll the clip, and it's right, just right. Yeah, yep. he's a, he's a very talented uh, actor. He's very good at improvising. He's very funny, and as I mentioned briefly. He's he's timeless in the way he looks. He's he's aging very gracefully. Yes. What about you? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I would say I'm a pretty big fan of Paul Rudd. Actually, I, I put him pretty high on my list. I I may or may not have a slight man crush on him. Not in the same way I have a man crush on like Chris Hemsworth, you know, because like that's a totally different kind of man crush. But like I don't know. Like I I just I love Paul Rudd. I think like he's and i'm sure i'm not the only person who feels this way. i'm sure everybody does that's why he's so popular he's the type of guy i feel like we would be really good friends if we hung out you know like oh yeah, yeah. They, they asked like you know which celebrity would you want to hang out with i'm like yeah paul rudd because he just seems like so much fun and so nice and so down to earth you know like you never get a sense that paul rudd is anything but just like a genuinely fun goofy nice guy and i think that translates onto the screen so you know i love him in comedic roles i think he's good in serious roles but you know i i just i think he's fantastic i love him he's he's one of my go-to people celebrities that i am like yes paul rudd he's like on my mount rushmore of people who are famous that i just think are awesome you know yeah yeah it's uh yeah you do hear some stories when he's met people you know in in the real world and it always comes across as him being a nice guy yep. he's willing to go along with a few little funny things and, and whatnot but yeah he's a uh, he seems he seems to be one of the genuine good guys. Obviously, right. we don't know for definite, but uh, I like to think that what we do here is all true about yeah. him. So that's, uh, yeah, exactly. But if you want to show what you think about Paul Rudd, you can leave comments on Facebook or YouTube with, when it's broadcasting live, and we'll be able to see it and throw them up onto the screen and answer and comment on them as well. For but sure. That's, that's our thoughts on Paul Rudd. I like it. All right. So then that means it is time for us now to get into our uh, after the ending. And we are going through to go after the ending of Clueless. And uh, for those of you, I'm sure most people know this, but just in case you don't, Clueless was Paul Rudd's debut uh, feature film, which I just realized um, I was wrong on something about Paul Rudd because I had thought so his two earliest roles were Clueless and Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. And yeah. for a long time, I thought that Halloween actually came out first um, before Clueless. I really did think that was the case. And I want to say that Halloween actually even has him as introducing Paul Rudd, but I could be wrong on that. Um, but according to IMDb, uh, Clueless was 1995 and Halloween was 1996. So obviously uh, I was wrong and Clueless was first. Mm. But yes. It is the movie that kind of got him started, got him on the map. So um, that's what we're going to do is go after the ending of Clueless, which is also good timing, not only because of Ant-Man and Paul Rudd, but if you watch the Super Bowl, there was a great yes. commercial starring Alicia Silverstone where she revisited uh, the role of Cher, uh, went back to the high school, and they had all these nice you know, scenes right out of the movie Clueless that I thought was really well done, and my family enjoyed it. We got a big kick out of it. Uh, so I felt like Clueless was definitely a very timely film to go after the ending of tonight. Indeed, indeed. And I believe there have been TV shows based on Clueless and stage shows, but we're just sticking with the film itself and mm -hmm. looking at what happens to the characters after that film finished. There we go. All right. Well, let's get it. Well, first of all, as always, before we get into the film itself, Phil, how do you feel about Clueless? I, I always enjoy it. I came to it late. I don't know why. I never saw it when it came out. I think it was 
might have been like 10 years later, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. But uh, I always enjoyed it. It was never one, though. It, uh, it's not the one where I watch and go, oh, this is the most amazing comedy of all time. It's just one right. where I really just enjoyed. I enjoyed the sitting there watching it. And whenever it's on, I enjoy watching it as well. But it's, uh, it's not one, like I said before, it's not one I go hunting for when I'm looking for a comedy show. But I know if it is on, I'll sit and watch it because it's, yeah. uh, it's got a great cast. It's funny. It riffs a bit on uh, the classic Emma story and things like that, but it's uh, yeah, it's a good moments. Alicia Silverstone as well is just so, so good in it; mm-hmm. she's amazing. What about you? Yeah, I re- I really like it. You know, I I did see it when it came out. I actually saw it in theaters um, when it came out, and I think it's you know it it was a really uh, fun and refreshing comedy at the time. You know, in the in the mid nineties, yeah. it was a little bit um, you know kind of different from some of the other stuff that was coming out. Uh, and I think watching it now, it's a really good snapshot of that time. And I, it does take me back oh, to the 90s is kind of my era. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I I enjoy revisiting it from time. It's been a while since I've watched it again. But I do know that uh, my wife and my teenage daughter watched it together recently. Uh, and that was my, my daughter's first time. And she really enjoyed it, um, too. So actually, it was good timing because she saw the Super Bowl commercial and got oh, okay. it because she had seen the movie. But, yeah, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Like, it's a great cast, a lot of, you know, great um, – recognizable faces in it and it's just, so yeah like you said it's it's just a fun comedy it's nothing you know earth shattering but uh it's really enjoyable and it's, it's fun to throw on when it's when it's on yeah it's interesting though because it is very much set in that particular time period and it's yeah of that time but it does it has aged quite well and it's uh yeah i mean sometimes maybe that is because it is just it's so anchored into that time so when you're watching it it's a nice throwback to to that time period I think, yeah, I think with a lot of the like comedies from certain time periods, you know, some of them age poorly. And I think the ones that are really classic, um, when you watch them, instead of going like, oh, this seems dated, you watch it and go, oh, this really takes me back. Or this is a really good snapshot of what it was actually like back then. I think the ones that are more authentic or more accurate to their time periods really do sort of take you back. And the ones that come out, in the, even though they come out in their own time period, but they're just like, not really very timely or very like realistic and how they depict people feel more dated. You know what I mean? But this one I think really does kind of capture what life was like back then. And that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, let's get into it then. So uh, here, let's give you the breakdown as always. Clueless from 1995, written and directed by Amy Heckerling, starring Alicia Silverstone, Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy, Paul Rudd, of course, Donald Faison, and Brecken Meyer. So the story goes, Cher Horowitz, played by Alicia Silverstone, is a stylish but ditzy teenager in Beverly Hills. Uh, and she has a rich dad and lives in, you know, a pretty nice big house. Uh, she's surrounded by her best friend, Dion, Dion's boyfriend, Murray, um, and her Sort of ex-relative, but not really related, Josh, uh, played by Paul Rudd, who is very socially conscious. When Cher gets a bad grade in high school, she tries to orchestrate a romance between two teachers so that her tough teacher, Mr. Hall, will relax a little bit and let Cher renegotiate her grade. When those two teachers fall in love, Cher realizes that doing good things makes her happy. Uh, And so when the school gets a clueless transfer student named Ty, Cher and Dion decide to give her a makeover and help her become popular. Um, at a certain point, Cher gets mugged, Josh comes to help her, and the two start to bond. But then Cher becomes interested in a new student named Christian, and Josh, get, Josh gets jealous. But it turns out Christian is gay, um, so that's off the table. Ty starts to become more popular than Cher. Cher fails her driving test, and things start to go downhill. But eventually, Cher realizes she's in love with Josh, and they couple up. Uh, Cher rep- repairs her friendship with Ty, and the film ends with the two teachers that Cher set up getting married, 
and Cher and all her friends at the wedding where she catches the bouquet. And that is the breakdown of Clueless. How's that sound, Phil? It's very good, yeah. And there's uh, obviously lots of comedy involved in that, mainly from the different characters. Uh, and a shout out to Brittany Murphy. She was great. Yes. And so many things. I always love Brittany Murphy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and it's a great cast. You mentioned some of the cast, really good cast. Too. Lots of them went on to do lots of other different things. Yeah, uh, it's good TV shows and film actors and things like that. But yeah, yeah. good uh, rundown. All right, great. Uh, who's kicking off tonight? I don't even have any idea. Who do you who do you want to kick off tonight, Phil? You uh, well, you get the rundown. So shall I go first? Sure, why not? Yeah. Okay, so time moves on, and Cher and her friends go off to college. None of them end up at the same ones, but all promise to keep in touch. Some do, some fall away over time, as often happens. Josh and Cher visit each other as often as they can, but the relationship stalls, falters, and then breaks apart. It's it's nobody's fault. It's just distance, age, and things like that. They end up not seeing each other for the next few years. Josh, di Josh dives into his journalism course and ends up working as a reporter at a small cable news channel. He considers growing a moustache, but thinks better of it. Ty ends up becoming a fashion designer and ends up dressing various Hollywood stars. Uh, Diane? Diane, is it? I think I it's Dion, but I Dion. it's been a while. Dion finds a passion for politics, and many years later, she ends up as president of America. Nice. As for Cher, she ends up uh, moving into psychotherapy and has a very successful practice. One day, she's approached by a TV show to discuss mental health. On her arrival at the studios, she finds Josh will be interviewing her. It's been a good while since they last spoke. They reconnect, start seeing each other again, and they end up marrying, have four kids. Their careers are hugely successful, and they have a long, happy life together. All right. And that's my after the ending. Very nicely done. I, I, I like that. Very good. You know, I, I'm a sucker for a good, happy ending. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, this is the part of the show where I feel the obligation to point out to people that Phil and I do not compare our after <laughs> the endings um, before we record, we like to surprise each other. And on occasion, they end up being a little bit similar. Ooh, um, okay. And so just for the record, I want to get that out there. Maybe it's the something about the film itself, right? Maybe it just sort of lends itself to going, taking things in a particular direction. But could be, uh, could be. I'm going to go on record, actually, Phil, because I feel like I should get ahead of this and say that this, this might be the most similar endings we've ever done. <laughs> okay <laughs> in, the history, in the history of the show uh so those of you who are like sweet i can't wait to see the crazy different directions these two go in tonight uh we're gonna always so different yeah oh, they are God, usually okay. pretty different but um yeah, yeah. not so much tonight but that's all right i mean some some differences but I, you know uh, okay so all right well here we go uh while Cher originally had no plans to go to college josh gets accepted to usc and Cher decides she wants to be near him so she applies to the nearby californian California Fashion Institute, which I believe is made up, but who knows? There might really be one. Uh, <laughs> she figures since she's got such an eye for fashion, being a clothing designer would be a great career for her. And things go well for them for the first year or so, but eventually college life gets in the way and Cher and Josh drift apart and break up. Cher continues working towards her degree, however, as she's become passionate about fashion design and Josh continues on in school, eventually deciding to go to law school and become a civil rights lawyer. Uh, Cher graduates and gets a low-level job at Tommy Hilfiger, uh, but not surprisingly, she quickly starts to move up the ranks and becomes more and more powerful in the fashion industry. Josh eventually does become a civil rights lawyer and goes to work in a prestigious firm in New York. 
Uh, Cher eventually starts her own clothing line, Shareful. And while both of them are fulfilled in their careers, and both of them date and have relationships, neither one of them ever settles down. Ten years later, Cher finds herself in court when she's accused of illegal labor practices overseas where her clothes are manufactured. Now, Cher's all always maintained stringent humanitarian standards in all aspects of her company, so she suspects a rival company is trying to take her down, take down her clothing empire. When she shows up for the first day of the trial, she realizes the lawyer on the opposite side of the case is Josh. Throughout the trial, Josh begins to figure out that something doesn't add up, and in a dramatic reveal, he uncovers that the new CEO of Mugatu Fashions planted false <laughs> evidence to take down Shareful, uh, which has eaten into their market share. Uh, after the case is dismissed, Cher invites Josh out to a celebratory dinner. They reconnect and realize that now that they're both located in New York City, uh, that neither one of them ever got over to the other one. Quicker than you can say, as if, they become a couple again and begin a romance that will last the rest of their lives. And that's my ending. So, oh, very good. Yeah, well, it was, as you... it was different enough, but yeah, they... they yeah, uh, I mean, different paths, but, you know, they both they, they broke up in college. They went apart. They came back together through their jobs and ended up together. Like yeah, it's yeah. you know just crazy. Fairly like similar reference as well. Well, thank you, thank you. I, I was I, I thought a little. I was trying to think of like what's a good like uh, you know well known fashion thing. I was like we got to go Zoolander, you know, with Will Ferrell's yeah. Mugatu is, yeah. is you know is pretty good. So, but Amazing. I also want to make sure we knew that Cher is still a good person. She's not, not using like you know unhumanitarian labor in other countries because I don't think that's yeah. true to her character. Yeah. No, excellent. Good stuff. All right. Nicely done. So there you go. Those are our endings for Clueless. Um, you know, as always, don't be afraid to let us know what you think happens after the ending of Clueless. We're always, as maybe you can up something more creative or different than what Phil and I came up with uh, tonight. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think of maybe going, because it's been a while since I've gone, I've gone like a dark ending for one of the films. And I was thinking maybe this could be right. the one, but it just right. didn't seem right. It didn't seem right with the characters. Yeah. Right, I get you. And I was thinking about somebody who might get hit with a bus, but there was nobody in it that I found annoying enough to hit with a bus, which is also kind mm -hmm. of an old school throwback. But I, I did, I was really working hard to fit in that Murray went on to become a surgeon just because, you know, he's played by Donald Faison, who of course was in Scrubs. Yeah, um, yeah. But I just I didn't have room for him in the, just, you know, didn't. I focused on Sharon Josh and didn't have room to squeeze that in. So, all right. That was fun. Indeed it is. Okay, so uh, that's going to bring us to um, our top five for the night, uh, which, again, is our top five non-Marvel Paul Rudd movies. Um, yes. And, uh, uh, Phil, did you have any – I know sometimes we talk about like kind of our criteria or if we had any rules or anything like that. Did you have anything specific tonight? Uh, the main thing I was going for, I was thinking it was – it was mainly more. I was going well. Which which roles did I really like him in? Because, but uh, maybe the film, a couple of the films, maybe weren't like the best cat films that he's been in. But I, I really liked what he did with them and okay. his particular particular turn in each one. What about you? Okay. Yeah, um, I think I focus more on the movies than the roles per se. So we might have some slightly different lists. You know, I kind of tried to pick which which. Um, not that because I don't. It's not that I don't think Paul Rudd's a good actor, but I, I he's. You know, in the comedic acting, I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is a really amazing performance. So I was thinking a little bit more about, you know, which movies do I enjoy the most? I did. The only kind of rule I put in is he's done so many like cameos and minor roles yeah, and things like that. Um, 
I didn't want to I didn't want to focus solely on things he has the lead role in, but I really tried to focus on things he either has a lead role or is part of an ensemble rather than like, oh, he shows up for five minutes and then he disappears or things like that. You know, I try to pick yeah, movies yeah. where he has a, a sizable role. That was really my only criteria. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, I guess I'll start then because you kicked off with the endings, right? That sounds fair. Yeah, works works for me, yeah. All right, cool. So then uh, my number five uh, is from 2012, and it is Wanderlust, starring Jennifer Aniston and and Paul Rudd, obviously. Uh, Co-starring <laughs> Jennifer Aniston is what I meant to say. Um, and this is, I think, one of his maybe lesser successful uh, comedies. It's about uh, he gets um, laid off, and so they sort of like a city couple and they try to explore like alternative living options. They end up at like a, like a commune, like a free love commune kind of out in the country with a bunch of like wacky characters, which on paper sounds kind of terrible. And it's, it's actually a really funny movie. Um, it is, it is definitely not something you want to watch with the kids, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's really, really funny. Uh, he's great. Jennifer Aniston is great. It's just, it's just, you know, there's so many, it's one of those films where every time you turn around, there's another person you recognize showing up for a small role here and, you know, things like that. And, and just the humor is very off color, but it's, it's, um, it'll make you laugh the whole way through for sure. Uh, and, and I just, I, I find it like kind of a, a Paul Rudd sleeper hit, <coughs> excuse me, if you will. So that's my number five is 2012's Wanderlust. Definitely worth seeing if you have not ever seen it, track it down. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. When I was going through the list, uh, that was one where I, I remember wanting to see it, or you know, it had been streaming or something. I meant to watch it, but just never got around to it. I also right. noticed there's quite a few on the list which uh, where I was, I, I was sort of getting confused between which film it was because there's a few which I think they're not the similar plot, but they're all sort of set around about the same time period. Uh, you know, just ordinary yeah. people doing ordinary things, that kind of stuff. But uh, no good choice. But uh, my number five is from 2018. And it's uh, it's Mute by Duncan Jones, sci-fi film, kind of set in the same universe as Moon. And it does have, you do see some elements of that briefly. But uh, Paul Rudd plays a character called Cactus Bill. And he knocks around with a character called Duck, played by Justin Theroux. And it's a bit different because it's it's more like of a, a villainous character. He's a bit of a bad guy. He's a bit of a criminal. Uh, he's, not, he's not the worst of the worst in the film with regards... The crimes they do, but it's uh, it was a change of pace, and I think it works well because you see, you know, Paul Rudd when he first turns up, and he he's got he's doing a bit of the charm and stuff he normally does. So you're going, oh, okay, yes, well, it's it's not going to be this bad, you know. It's I've heard he's the bad guy, but what? And then then he does stuff which you're going, oh yeah, oh that's a bit of a turn, and it's so it's a nice it's a nice uh, change in your expectations, and as it goes on, you find more about his past, and it's. It's a few twists and turns, but I I always like what he did with it. The film itself, it was, it was. I think there was more potential there than it actually, actually managed to. It didn't quite work fully, but uh, I enjoyed Paul Rudd in it. I enjoyed, I actually I enjoyed everybody's performance in it, uh, and it was interesting to see more of the uh, the universe that uh, Duncan Jones had set up. But I really like seeing Paul Rudd uh, going against uh, type than he normally does but that was my number five um all right <clears throat> so you may remember we mentioned some of those technical difficulties earlier i'm not sure who's yeah. in there on there we go 
Hi, Phil. Yeah, you froze. You froze briefly, but then you came right. back. So I just finished okay. my number five. All right, so good. Okay. I, I heard all of it except for the very end part there. So, uh, but that's interesting. Okay. You know, I have not seen Mute. Um, I wanted to. It's on my list. It's one of those things that I've been like, oh, I got to get around to watching that, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So that's a great choice. Um, all right, good. Okay, so then my number four uh, is from 2009, and it is I Love You, Man, starring Paul Rudd, of course, and Jason Segel. Um, and this is kind of in that Paul Rudd sort of comedy heyday. He had a couple of good years there with some big, yeah. uh, some big comedies. Um, I again, I, I have a lot of comedy, I think, on this list, but I really, really enjoy this movie. Uh, a, it's just plain funny, um, but B, like, I think. You know, it it really does kind of get at an issue that is an actual issue uh, in a funny way, which is adult males making friends um, is really yeah. hard, a hard thing yeah. to do for a lot of us. And this movie, I think, kind of looks at it from a really interesting way. Um, and it, it 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 I think any guy of a certain age watching that movie can really relate to the characters in it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also just a very funny comedy, you know, um, and it's it's. Uh, it's a it's a really good double feature with another film which may or may not appear further on my list. So uh, that came out around the same time. So you may be able to extrapolate what that is. But I love you, man. Uh, Co-starring Jason Siegel. Very funny stuff. Highly worth watching if you haven't seen it. No, I, I've saw. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, but is, is that the one? Is it slapping the bass? That one. Yeah, that's the one. Slapping the bass. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. I I enjoyed it, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, but uh, again, it was one of those. What there's a few films where he did where it's all around the same time, and they in my head, a lot of them got mixed up. So that's why yeah. some of them didn't make the list. If I rewatched them again recently, they, they probably might have made the list. But uh, good choice, though. Okay, Great. so my number four is a uh, is a film which is just really stupid, <laughs> but I really enjoy it, and it's uh, it's an ensemble piece. It's Wet Hot American Summer from 2001. Mm -hmm. Which is an American teen comedy, which is set at a uh, an American summer camp, which is uh, something I always like seeing in films because we didn't really have anything close to that really in the UK. I know there are various bits and pieces, but I always like the whole camp, the camps you see in all the, the horror movies and the comedies and things like that. But this one is a play on that with such a really good cast of different comedy people, act, serious actors as well doing things. But I, I just like uh, Paul Rudd as a character called Andy, who's just this. All the girls love him, but he just doesn't give a damn. He's just, he's ignorant, stupid, uh, lazy. And I just like, it's just so over the, everybody's so over the top, but it's just ridiculous. And I'm just, I I remember watching it for the first time and just howling at, at so many different scenes. But uh, there's so many people involved. They all have their moment to shine, but I just like Paul when every turned up and he's just always going, ah, poof, ugh, doing all this kind of stuff and, Right. Yeah, that's a uh, wet hot American summer. All right, that is a true cult classic. Um, it has it does have a lot of fans. I I will um, say this, Phil. Um, I know I'm not in the majority on this one. I I actively hate that movie. Oh, I I can see why. Yeah, yeah I can see why people would hate it. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's one of those it's, ones. Just you either love it or you hate it. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is I didn't see it for a long time. I think I only watched it for the first time a few years ago. Um, and you know, I think it had been sort of built up and there's so many good people in it, you know, that I was like, it has to be good. Uh, and then I watched it and I was, I hated every minute of it, like vehemently hated it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it's just, and I, I don't, I can get into a stupid comedy. I don't know what it is about it that, that 
triggered me so much but i don't know if it's just that the characters are so over the top ridiculous and stupid or what but i just oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's so many of them are just stupid yeah, yeah i can't i can't get into that one so i mean i'm glad you made it on your list for you know the sake of, of having different stuff on our list but i can't uh i can't get behind that one personally so i mean you know no, like I, everyone, to each their own i hope people do enjoy watching it but i'm just not no i can it. i can totally understand i can imagine if i'd seen it a few years later or I, if i was in a different mood or something different place in my life yeah i could i could see it, it not hitting quite right but at the time yeah i i watched it i just it was a it was yeah. good stuff I'm, I'm sure had i seen that movie when i was like well i don't think I'm, it, the math works out but if, if it had come out when i was like 21 you know i probably would have thought it was the funniest thing ever but yeah yeah it's just not at this point in my life i can't, I can't <laughs> all right well there you go so that's on the list okay yeah. uh my number three non-marvel Paul Rudd movie is the most recent one on my list. It's from 2021 and it is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, oh, yeah. Which yeah. I just absolutely adored. I loved it. It was, it, I think, my number two or three film of 2021. It was in my top five. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was an amazing film that really kept true to the spirit of Ghostbusters, brought in new characters that I really enjoyed, uh, you know, brought in old characters in a great way. Um, I, I just thought it's such a great i don't feel like the film made a big enough impact to be honest like it's sort of like yeah. it came out it did decent at the box office but not fantastic it kind of was already seems like people have kind of forgotten it a little bit even though there's a new i think there's a new one coming out soon um and honestly my only hesitation for putting it on the list and the only reason i didn't maybe put it a little higher well some of the other movies are also good but um is that even though he's one of the main characters his role is kind of surprisingly small in the film yeah it is yeah yeah and not small enough that it's not it doesn't work include you know worth isn't worthy of inclusion on the list because he is a main character um but the kids in the film get a lot more screen time uh than he does but that said i still really enjoyed what he brought to the character i thought his style and his you know portrayal of the character really fit the vibe of a ghostbusters movie you know yeah i don't know yeah. that it would have worked as well with an adult character being played by someone who was less likable you know um because that's what the ghostbusters were always you know, quirky, but likable. And I think he kind of yeah, fits yeah. into that role. Um, so yeah, I, you know, is it a Paul Rudd movie? Not really. Like, it's like, it's, it's a, he's in it obviously, but it's not like people think of that as a Paul Rudd vehicle. It's a Ghostbusters movie. He yeah. But he to be in, um, I but I like, love it. I love it. A lot. I did like, uh, <laughs> he, he was played uh, the teacher, didn't he? He was one of those, teachers who you would yeah. you'd had when you in, in school i was like that but uh yeah as you say he was he goes in he's he's does a bit of exposition and he's not in it for a while and he pops up again does some other bits and pieces but whenever he is in it like in most of his films yeah. he's really good but yeah good pick didn't make my list i was thinking about it but yeah. uh just didn't quite uh quite fit but yeah it's it's funny it does it does feel like that film's almost been forgotten it's just it was, yeah it's unfortunate it's went, really, it, it really reasonably good. okay at the box office and then uh yeah disappeared Okay, yeah. my yeah. number three is one which it might have been in my top ten of that year, but it's from 2013, and it's a small comedy drama, which is written and directed by David Gordon Green, and it's Prince Avalanche. I knew this would be on your list. Two-man film, yeah, with a uh, Paul Rudd and Emil Hirsch. It's based on a an Icelandic film as well, but it's Paul Rudd and Emil Hirsch play uh, Alvin and Lance, and they're basically. Uh, clearing, repainting traffic lines down a, a road after there's been a big forest fire, wildfires, unfortunately seems to happen quite a lot in certain areas of uh, the States. 
Uh, and as they're doing this, it's they're going along, they're talking about life, meeting a few people. It's one of those films where not very much happens, but it's just it's a nice, easygoing thing. You learn bits about the these two ordinary people, also the way they're dressed and where they were. I like the, I, my head canon. It's kind of like a serious take on uh, Mario Brothers. Mm. Uh, mm. But uh, I do, I do like the uh, Paul Rudd is just yeah, it's because they're the two main characters and on the screen most of the time. Especially well, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is all the time I think because Emil Hirsch's character leaves part way through and then comes back. It's just like a, it's, it's a chance for Paul Rudd to just act and really shine and it's it is it's got some funny moments it's got uh dramatic moments it's got lots of moments where there's no no talking and it's you know it's physical or just little looks here and there but it's a good it's a great example just to see how well paul wood can act when uh in a more serious or semi-serious role anyway but that's uh that's my number three uh prince avalanche Okay, I like that. I um, there's another one's on my list that I keep meaning to get to, and I haven't actually gotten to yet. Um, so it's not on my list, but um, <laughs> you know, it's I, I swear, I feel like it might have been your number one for that year. I might yeah. be wrong. Yeah, I can't remember. I've not got my my book around. To That's all right. I'm not. Yeah. I think it might have been in the top five. Yeah, I think it was in the top five. It definitely was in the top five. I feel like there's even a chance that maybe it was number one, and maybe I'm, I might be wrong on that. But yeah. you might be thinking of another Paul Wood film, which uh, might show up on this on my list a bit later. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Okay, all right. Never mind. I won't say anything then. Um, there is a movie. I'm just looking. That's why I'm looking at my phone right now. I feel like I'm forgetting a movie that I actually really liked, and I'm maybe uh, that's what it is. No, I missed that one when I was going through it. Yeah, it's been a while. He has been in a lot of films. That's what I noticed. Okay, when so I'm, I'm going to throw in a random movie that's not on my list. What's that? Okay, go on. Go on. Uh, uh, no, just just quickly, if... just... <laughs> we got microphone delays. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying he's been in an awful lot of films. It's uh, when I was looking to do the list, going through. It's surprising how many he's been. And as you said, there's been lots of cameos and things like that. But I was just uh, not quite shocked, but just went, "Oh wow, yeah, he has. He's been a, a working actor for a long, long time." Yep. Yep. Um, so the one I, I just quickly, I'll just quickly throw Well, maybe, do we have any honorable mention? Any honorable mentions? Do you have any? I, I've not, but if you want to mention this one, you just remembered now. Okay. Right. Uh, so I forgot, and I don't think it would have necessarily made my list, to be honest with you, but I just was thinking about it. So I was like, there was a movie of his that I really enjoy that came out a, a while back, but I haven't seen it since it came out. So it probably would have made my list. And it's okay. Over Her Dead Body um, with him and Eva Longoria. And Eva Longoria plays his ex-girlfriend who's died and she's a ghost and she tries to break up his current relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just remember really liking it and thinking it was highly underrated because it kind of tanked the box office and and thinking it was a lot of fun. Again, I haven't seen it probably since it came out in 2006, so I don't think I would have made my list, but I missed it completely when I was going God, over yeah. the choices. So just I'll just throw that in as a random, you know, could have been a number six as over over her dead body. So anyway. I remember that, and I, I remember yeah. that, and I, I remember seeing it, but I can't remember much about it. Yeah, it's, wow. I remember yeah. it being surprisingly funny is yeah. what it was. Okay. So. Now I want to rewatch it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's, it's streaming anywhere. I think I'll uh, give that a yeah. Break. Right, right. 
All right. So I'm going to move into somewhat obvious territory here. Now, I think your choices are probably uh, leaning a different direction than mine because you went more for performances and I went more for movies, which is good. It gives us a, a wide range yeah, of films. A mix about, of a right? list. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably the most supporting role of, of, of the list. Um, I think everything else he was really a main role in. Um, but it is a true comedy classic. 2004's Anchorman is my number two. Is your number two? Yeah. Is it your number yeah, two? It's my number two as well. Yeah. Right, okay, nice. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I've probably told the story on the show before. I'm gonna, I'll tell it again because we have new listeners all the time. I hated Anchorman when it first came out. Uh, I, I hated it as a strong word. I, I just, I didn't really like it that much. Um, I just thought it was okay. I didn't think it was that funny. Because I saw it in theaters like opening night, and I was like, eh, whatever. And um, and felt that way for many years. And it got more and more popular um, over the years. And I was, I was like, really, Anchorman? And then one time, one day, and this has got to be now, I don't even know, 10, 12 years ago, I guess, uh, I was really sick. I had a stomach bug and I was laid up in bed and I turned on the TV and I was so sick I couldn't even change the channel. Huh, wow. So I like I got it onto a channel that had like a Star Trek movie marathon on. They played like three Star Trek movies in a row. And I was just laying in bed, just miserable. And then after the Star Trek movies ended, Anchorman came on. And I was like, I was so miserable. I was like, I can't even be bothered to change the channel. Like, I'm just going to, apparently I'm just going to watch yeah. Anchorman. And I don't know what changed in that time, but it was so funny to me. <laughs> that even in my misery, even though I was miserable, I was laughing out loud. <laughs> I was like deliriously laughing at it. So I completely changed my opinion on Anchorman. And now I, I do love it. I think it's a great film and I get why it's such a cult classic, you know, uh, and why it's so popular. I don't know what changed. I don't know why I didn't like it the first time as yeah. much, why I do like it so much now. Um, but that was definitely, I'll never forget that moment where my opinion on Anchorman completely changed because I was just lying in bed, like trapped and going, this movie is really funny. This is the best thing for me right now. Um, so uh, yeah, it's great. And he's got the whole, the whole, you know, 60% of the time this works every time, <laughs> yeah. of the time you know, whatever, uh, you know, it's so again, a supporting role, but just such a fun movie and he's great in it. And um, yeah. So Anchorman, that's my thoughts, Phil, what about, about you? Yeah. It's interesting though. It's not often there's a film, there's a film that you hate and then you end up loving. It's, right. it's usually the other way around, isn't it? You, you film you yeah. used to love and then you see it again, you go, Oh no, this is dreadful. Mm -hmm. But no, Anchorman, I, I always, I've always enjoyed it again. It's, it's similar. Uh, Cause it's, it's, stupid people doing stupid things and right. ridiculous surreal moments which don't make any sense but it all works thematically yeah. with the film but i love his i love paul wood's name as well brian fantana or the, yeah it's just something about that this, but this, all the characters especially the core four of the news team are just brilliant but uh paul rudd he's just got that ultra confidence but he's you just know he's always striking out with women yeah uh he's just he thinks he's all that he thinks he's super cool and he can't he, Kinda is though. Out of the out of the four of them, he's probably the coolest. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, true story. <laughs> but it's just, I just love his attitude, his voice, and just that. But yeah, and the, the whole Sex Panther thing is yeah. just brilliant. That, yeah, so many good lines in it. But it's it's a definite ensemble piece. And when they're all together, and they're just, it's just, it's just wonderful. It's like lightning in a bottle because Anchorman Two was not very good. Right. Uh, it's just, but it's yeah, and. Paul Rudd, I just love him in that. Brian Fantana, it's brilliant. Great name. That's <laughs> yeah. our number two. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. So I, I know for a fact that our number ones will be different because, uh, you know, hints and things like that. But yeah. my number one um, is is one of my favorite comedies, and it's such a quotable movie. And unfortunately, I can't. 
quote a single thing on this show because <laughs> this is a family show that we keep it pretty PG-13 and there's nothing PG-13 about this movie. It is 2008's Role Models starring oh, Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott, which is just one of the funniest movies ever. When you're in the mood for something like really R-rated, like it's, you know, like I said, so many quotes I can think of and none of them I can repeat. Um, but it's just great. It's, 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 you know, he plays a guy who's just like down in the dumps. His girlfriend breaks up with him. And Sean William Scott, his best friend, is just like playing himself. And he's like a monster energy drink type of guy, salesman. And things just get worse until they start becoming big brothers to these two kids, you know, who, who are both very unique personalities, we'll say. <laughs> um, and man, it's just, there's such a, it's a great ensemble cast, but the, it's just so funny. It makes me laugh out loud every time I watch it. It's vulgar, but in a smart way. You know, it's one of those yeah, comedies yeah. That, that could easily be a dumb comedy, but it's not. Um, and, uh, you know, so many just. It's got a lot of heart ones, as well. <laughs> the one I always think of. The one, what's that? It's got a lot of heart as well, though. Yeah, exactly. It does have a lot of heart, you know. But then I also think of, you know, I used to have for breakfast, cocaine. You know, I used to have for lunch, <laughs> cocaine. What did you have for dinner? Was it cocaine? You know, things like that. Like, I know, the, I'm sure a lot of it was improv, but the, the script is really funny. Um, and so I, yeah, I love that movie. Uh, I think yeah. it's great. Uh, well, that's interesting because there's a GQ. They often do videos where it's talking to actors on YouTube where, you know, talking about the iconic roles and things like that. And it's Paul Rudd because of Ant-Man. He's got one from a few days ago. And it's really good because he's talking about the various scenes in lots of the movies he, he did. And he's explaining that, Many of them were improvised, but he goes through the whole setup of them. There's one in Knocked Up where they're in a hotel room, and they're just where there's just different chairs, and he keeps going into different ones, and that changes it. And I think they've done mushrooms in it as well, and they're doing this. But he said but the only reason he did that with the chairs is because when they turned up on the set, the, pe the prop people had put these chairs all around the room, so they just decided, well, let's all move them all up, and that's that's how it all went. But it's a really right. interesting video because he talks about lots of different films. But uh, I'll have to check that out. But uh, yeah, the role models is a great film. It didn't didn't make my list. I was thinking about it, but it's it's one of those other ones I've not just not watched in a, a, a long time, and right. I need to watch it again because I do remember. Well, I remember lots of times going, "What? Oh, what? Gee, oh, did they just say that?" But uh, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, yeah. There's the few quotes that I can remember. Yeah, I just can't say them at all. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got it made your list. I, th I thought it might be. Uh, I knew it'd be in the list somewhere. But yeah, uh, yeah, good, it's one of my favorites. I really uh, my it. number one then is one from 2016. It might even be my number one of the year. I can't I remember, but it's the uh, the fundamentals of caring. That's the one I think I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Rudd, Craig Roberts, Selena Gomez, Jennifer L, and a few others. And it's uh, he plays Paul Rudd plays a character called Ben Benjamin, who's a, a writer, but he's not got much work, and he he gets trained to be a caregiver, and he starts looking after Craig Roberts' character, who's got muscular dystrophy, and he realizes uh, Paul Rudd's character realizes that Craig Roberts is frustrated in many different ways. So they go on a road trip uh, and end up picking up Selena Gomez, who's hitchhiking. They go to various different places uh, in America. It's very funny. It's very dramatic, deals with some serious issues, but it's just, it's, it's one of those roles again, where Paul Wood is, he can turn on the charm, bring on the comedy, but his, his character he's playing in this case is that there's some tragedy in his past. And you're picking up on that, but it's still, he's still doing, you know, he's still doing great things with it. You do, there are laugh out loud moments in it as well. 
but then there's other bits where you're almost in tears. It's a great balancing act from all involved, great performances. It's worth checking out if you haven't seen it, but that's uh, that's my number one. It really touched me uh, when I watched it, but it's, I think it's one of Paul Wood's uh, finest moments on screen, and that's my number one. Yeah, I, I, that's, I, I had a feeling that and Prince Avalanche would uh, be on your list, although I may have confused the two, but I might have put them together as the one movie in my mind. But... Um, I know one of them was your number one for the year. I don't remember which. Yeah, I can't remember which. I'm going to have to go back and check, I think, at some point. Um, but again, I have to say, bad job by me. It's another one I keep meaning to watch and have not gotten around to yet. So part of the reason it's not on my list, well, main reason it's not on my list is because I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. So I need to get on that. But good choice for number one. Good choice. All right, so good list. Only one overlap. That makes sense. It was Anchorman, yeah, which yeah. I think is uh, pretty understandable. But there we go. So those are our top five non-Marvel Paul Rudd movies. I'm sure Ant-Man and or Ant-Man of the Wasp and or Captain America Civil War would have made it on there and or any of the Avengers, Avengers you know, Endgame or Infinity War. We could have just done all five of those and that would be my list. But that seemed kind of boring. So um, so we left the Marvel stuff off. We'll do Marvel lists at some point. We'll, we got yeah, yeah. talk about there. I, I, um, do like, I do like how Ant-Man is like one of the most pivotal one of the most pivotal characters in the MCU. Yes, yes. All the things. And I get the impression it's going to be the same with Quantum Mania. It's, right, I think we're going to see a big shift as well, but it's uh, and he's he's just he's really good in the role, uh, and I can't wait to see it on Saturday. Yes, I'm going tomorrow. tomorrow actually. So at least oh, I'll look at you. So I'll be sure to send you a bunch of spoilers. I'll text you a bunch of spoilers. Oh, okay. great! That's because that's what I love. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you do. <laughs> uh, all right, so there you go. That's our top five list for this episode, and that's going to bring us to our final section, which is ATE recommends what are Phil and I enjoying right now. So, uh, Phil, do you want to start us off? Yes, I've just got one thing, and it is a book. Okay, let's uh, see it. Here we go. This is The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin, who will uh, you might recognize as the music producer. He's done lots of various oh, yeah, different yeah, yeah. things. He interviewed, uh, he recently, was it last year, the year before, he did an interview series where he's speaking to Paul McCartney. Uh, he's done lots of wonderful things. But this book, it's basically a bunch of essays and some of them are just like one or two pages, but he's talking all about creativity, where it comes from, how to keep it going, various... It's just it's just great. It's one of those ones you can dip into, just read one or two chapters. And you, it will inspire you. It will make you go, hmm. Right, right, think of it that right. Way. That yeah. kind of thing. But every single bit, it's just... It's, it's kind of like... Uh, it's one of those books where it could also be called A Way of Being and Zen, you know, you Chuck Zen somewhere into the title yeah, as well, right? But it's right, uh, right. it's just very nice. I always like, I like the whole. It's very tactile. It's a lovely thing like this. But it's yeah, it goes into like self doubt setting. These are just some of the titles. Submerge. Look for clues. The ecstatic, and it's got lots of lovely quotes and things. Lots of some great ideas as well. If you are, you do have writer's block or you know blocking creativity. He talks about things that you might not have thought uh, of being creative cooking and stuff like that and you're suddenly going oh yeah the, th the things you can do it really is inspiring and it's been i've enjoyed dipping in and out of it and it's uh i think it's one of those ones i'll probably read over and over again over the years but it's it's worth definitely worth right. picking up if you're in any way involved in creativity or even it's just it will inspire you so that's the the creative act uh, by rick rubin I like it. I um I, I have a lot of respect for Rick Rubin as a as a producer. He's one of the greats, I think. So I'm definitely interested yeah, to check yeah. that out. I, I like stuff like that. So I didn't actually I've not hadn't even heard of it. So I appreciate you opening my eyes up to that. 
No problem at all. Yeah, it's, it's good. Check it out. All right. Well, my recommendation, um, I'm a little late to the party on. I'm going to admit this. Uh, so some of you are going to be like, yeah, like, great. Thanks for that <laughs> recommendation. I already watched this like six months ago. Um, There's no time limit on coming into something. Right. Well, as we know, I've talked about how last year was my year of 365 movies in 365 days. Uh, because I was on a fast track for that, I never had time to watch many TV shows. So I fell behind on everything. So I caught up on I've been catching up on TV shows this year as I've slowed down on my movies. So my recommendation yeah. today is the Amazon Prime series Reacher. Uh, based on the Lee Child books um, and starring, um, what's his name, who I love, uh, Alan Richardson. Um, yeah, yeah. And I blew through this. I assume you've watched it based on your... Oh, it's great. I loved it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. It is so good. I watched one episode. Um, I actually, I got, I had to review it. I got the, the, the Blu-rays to review for the column that I write for live for films. And I was like, okay, now I got to watch this, you know? So I, I put on the first episode and then I couldn't stop. I was like, this, this show is fantastic. It's like, it's, you know, you know, here, like I always talk about how like nineties action movies are like my favorite genre, you know, and this is not entirely like a nineties action movie, but not, a lot of times I'm looking for movies to watch late at night. I'm always like in the mood for like a good action movie. That's kind of slick and kind of like sharp and smart. And I have a hard time finding ones I haven't seen at this point. And then I, I put Reacher on. I'm like, this is exactly what I want. Like all the time. Yeah, like I yeah. like this. It's like, it's got like a great story. It's well-written. It's got good characters. It's got a good cast. It's got a good amount of action, but it's not just pure action, right? It's it's like a mystery. But then when things get action-y, it's like, oh boy, watch out. This dude is huge and he's jacked. And like, really, I haven't read the books yet, although I'm going to start because now I'm obsessed. Of course, this is how I operate. We all know this. Um, yeah. But I know I do remember like when the Tom Cruise movies came out, which I do like them, uh, that the fans of the books were were complaining because Reacher's character is this big, huge, hulking dude. And Tom Cruise obviously is not that. But Alan Richardson, holy cow, he really is. Um, and, you know, it's not the character is not a, 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 a very verbose character, which is kind of the fun of it. You know, it's like the characters around him do all the talking and he sort of just shows up and says a few things very, you know, and you listen and then he beats up some people and stuff. But like. I just loved it. I blew right through it. I couldn't wait to finish it, but then I was sad when I finished it. That's always the mark of a good show, you know? Oh, totally. Um, yeah. So if you, if anybody else out there hasn't, if you've already watched it, great. You, you Hopefully you're excited that I'm excited about it now. If you haven't watched it, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's also out now on home video, like DVD and Blu-ray. Highly recommend it. It is Reacher. Um, it's based on the Lee Child novels. Um, and it's just, it's fantastic. Highly yeah, recommend it. Just- Alan Richen does such a good job, as you say, those moments of stillness when he's just sat there. Yes. It's just good. And I think because in the books, it was always his size is part of his of the character. And I think it really shows well when he is just sitting there. Yeah. Quiet, just because he's so he's so intelligent as well. And he's just listening and taking things in. But yeah. you just you just know he can explode and just destroy everyone in the room if need be. Yeah. And I. I think it would have been easy to fall into the trap of him being like this completely emotionless character that you kind of can't get invested in. But yeah. as you go through the series and there's stuff that deals with his brother and there's stuff that deals with a, you know, a, a female um, character that, you know, may or may not get romantic and stuff. And it's like, okay, he does have emotions and he is a real person. He is very stoic and he doesn't reveal them easily, you know, but, he, but sometimes you get tired of these characters who are just a blank oh, slate and have nothing totally behind right. it, but he's not like that. You know, he's, he's, you know he's guarded for sure, um, but you can get invested in his in him as a character. Um, so I I loved it. Cannot wait for season two. Um, Me too. And yeah. yeah, that's it. Reacher. So there we I'm go. Glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And you yeah. mentioned you last year you did your 365 films 
over a year. Yeah. I think I mentioned in the last episode that I was aiming to do the same. Um, yeah. As of, let's get the correct date. What date are we on? Because uh, it's almost midnight here. But we're currently on the 16th of February, 2023. And so far, as of today, I've watched 60 films. That's 6-0. Sixty yeah. films, and so that's so my head schedule. Forty-four days, forty-six days in, so that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. It's you know, it's it seems easy in February. That's all. I'm yeah, gonna well, say. I can so, imagine it'll yeah. be a. It'll be See a how thing, you're feeling I... around October, and uh, let me know if you're still uh, if you're still gonna try and get <laughs> oh, all the way. But I've been enjoying it because it's meant I've been watching films I might not have normally watched, and uh, yeah. if I've had time when if, if I'm watching on streaming when a film finishes, and I've got time to watch something else or at least get one started. Uh, I'll often just see one which comes up in as you watch this, we recommend this, and I've gone, yeah. oh, what's that yeah. one? And done yeah. that. So I've been it's it's introduced me to lots of films, and I've also gone back and watched uh some other films from the past I've liked. Because every now and again I'll go, I think Amazon Prime does it, films under 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, yeah. Oh, I've not got time to watch anything longer, but I'll put that on and it's sort of going, Well, what is that? Oh, I'll go with that, and just boom. Yeah. That's and that's it. and that's the secret to it, honestly, is of to pulling it off, I should say, is you can't go into the mindset of just like one movie per day because things are going to happen and mm -hmm. you're not going to you're going to have days where you're not going to get to a movie or like for me football season happened right where Sundays yeah, yeah. Like forget yeah. it you know I'm watching football all day um you know but like just something comes up or you're busy or you're going out and you don't have time so it's like it's exactly that I would do you know not my favorite way to watch movies but I would do a lot of them in pieces where I'd sit down to watch one full movie right and then I'd be like okay well you know, it's 11 o'clock I'm probably good for another half hour an hour before I fall asleep so I'll start another movie right and yeah, I yeah. get halfway through it. I'll finish that tomorrow night. I would finish that and then start a movie and then I'd finish that whole thing. And then bam, you've gotten three movies in two days. So you can build up a little bit of a buffer because you are going to have some times where you can't, you can't get to it. So, but it's, it's oh, a fun totally, experiment, yeah. but it gets grueling by the end. And I, I, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not going to repeat it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but but I, do, I do find it works well. Like watch a film I've not seen before. And I'm watching an old favorite and yeah. like that. And just, yeah. I did a big mix too of movies I'd never seen before and then revisiting old favorites for sure. Uh, that's a good way to do it. So yeah, I've been tracking your progress on social. So I'm enjoying seeing what you're watching. So keep it up. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear about it. We'll keep checking in with you here on the show as well. Yeah, but it's good stuff. If anybody else is doing the 365 films in a year, uh, let us know what films you've, uh, you're currently up to, how many you've watched and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, your secret, what are your secrets to, to watching lots of films in a productive manner? Uh, yeah. I hope it doesn't make uh, meaning I, uh, I hate films by the end of it, but I'm, <laughs> I I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, really enjoying it at the moment, though. It's uh, it's it's also helping. I think it's slowed down the year so far because it's it's sort of right. It's not it's not just the weeks getting away. I'm going. Oh well, yes. I've, I've it's breaking up each day and making each day its own thing, which sometimes yeah. they all blend into one. But this is right. really helping keep it all separate. Which is yeah, nice. I mean, I I definitely don't hate films. It didn't make me hate films. It just gets to that point where you sort of become obsessive about it. And then you're like, uh, I would sit down and be like, oh, I'm going to read some comics. And I'm like, oh, but I should be watching a movie right now. And then yeah. you sort of oh, I can see that coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I mentioned in the last episode, like I've really slowed down this year, uh, partly because I'm trying to catch up on TV shows. But I think I'm at like 23 films for the year so far, which, you know, and we're mid-February. That's not even, you know, that's like... I don't know, one every other day or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know? um, and that actually took me a while. I, like, I think at the end of January, I was only like 13. And then February, I kind of kicked it up a little bit because I've just been having some stuff to watch. But so like, I don't think I get to the point where you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to watch another film as long as I live. Um, you know, but like I said, it just it just sort of becomes a little bit, a little obsessive by the end. So, you know, just, just that's all. But okay. it's fun. I enjoyed it. It was a good experiment. Good stuff. Good stuff. But it's, yeah, it is good. I'm enjoying it so far. Excellent. Good. 
All right. Well, there you go. So that's going to start to wrap us up then. Uh, we uh, we talked about Paul Rudd. Hopefully you like Paul Rudd. If not, this episode is probably a bummer for you. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and sorry for the delay. For those of you who are waiting anxiously for this episode, uh, we just had some life stuff get in the way. And uh, here we are now, though. So we'll hopefully be back on a regular schedule after this, as regular as it gets for us anyway. You know how it goes. Yeah, just keep um, checking back uh, the Facebook page, social media, things like that. We'll, yeah, we'll try. We'll yeah. try and give updates as and when. Right. We can. And if you're subscribed, it'll just new episodes will pop up in your inbox. Uh, you know when they come out. So, alrighty. Well, that's going to do it for us. So, um, hope you guys enjoyed this. And uh, we, uh, as always, we, we we thank you for listening and or watching. Um, but until next time, I'm Mike Spring, and I'm Phil Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Of after the ending. <laughs>